Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Good to be back again today with all of our listeners. And what a great opportunity for us to once again open up God's Word, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more. How blessed we are to be able to do this each day. And we here at Sunny Slope Church of Christ, we take this very seriously. We're not just filling a time slot or filling some natural obligation that we feel we must do or trying to spend some money allotted by the church budget to reach out in, in, uh, over the media waves with the gospel of Christ. We're trying to do this because we take seriously the fact that God's word has been entrusted to us, the church, as caretakers to stand upon and stand up for the truth of his teachings. And that's simply put forth in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. But also, it's our responsibility, indeed our mission, to reach out to as many people as we can with the gospel of Christ, which is the message of salvation, containing the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes all throughout the world through all time. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. We care about people's souls. We want to help people get to heaven. And the way that we can do that is by teaching them the truth of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help you get to heaven. We want to help you come closer to God. In fact, we want to help you come to God completely. And that only can be done through Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord and Savior. Jesus said that himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6, the night that he was about to be betrayed and the day before he would be hanging on that cross, giving his life to pay the price for the guilt and condemnation of our sins. He said to the apostles on that evening, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me or by me. John chapter 14 and verse 6. So you see, this is not just something that we're going through the motions over or something that we just feel like we have to do whether we want to or not. This is indeed a passion for us. It is a mission. We want to help you get to heaven. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And we can only do that effectively by getting across the message of God's word, the message of salvation the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of the program today, we're going to tell you how you can contact us, and you can write down that information. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and you can then contact us and ask for the free Bible study that we always offer here in the program. It is free. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again, for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So be sure to have that piece of paper and a pencil or pen ready, and you can jot down that information in just a little while. We want to help you understand how to come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ openly, surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, exactly as the scriptures teach. We want to help you. We want to help as many people as we can. And through you, we want you to be able to help others understand how they can be forgiven, how they can let go of their guilt, how they can find that hope that we all need, that hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now today, we're going to start a new series of studies. 
This is one that for each individual is very important. Of course, all the studies from God's Word are important. But this is one that we can all relate to individually as human beings. And I'm afraid that a whole lot of people, they do not think along the right lines to effectively correct the situations that they find themselves in in regard to what we're going to be studying in this series. We're going to take some time in this study because, again, it is so pertinent to each one of us individually, but also to our culture and our nation, and indeed, really, to the world. I want to talk about the love that fulfills and sustains marriage. Now, you know, we have a real I think it's apt to call it a crisis in our country today. I don't know exactly how it is all around the world. I don't know if if many countries are facing the same kind or at least the same degree of crisis in this regard as we are in this country. I, I'm pretty sure it is that way in a number of European nations. But, you know, we live here, so we can really relate to life in this country. Think about what the home really is supposed to be. The home is supposed to be the basic unit of society. Now, that's speaking from something of a technological perspective. The basic unit, the basic unit of society. Now, what do we mean by that? What we're talking about is whatever society becomes, it starts and is incubated within the home. The home, and we're talking about each home that exists within a given nation, within a society. The homes feed what that society is and what that society becomes. You see, the home is where children are born into. And the home then teaches those children, trains them, rears them, sees to their education so that they can grow up and become productive individual members of their society. Now, when the home is not doing a proper job along those lines, it's not just the individual child who suffers, but it's also the society that suffers. And since the society is a reflection of the nation, then the nation naturally suffers. We could think about culture, and I guess we could differentiate to some degree, again, technically, between culture and society, but the culture is a reflection of the society. And the culture is really kind of the soul of a nation. So the society then, it really builds the culture of a nation, the way that the people of that nation think, the way they live, the way they conduct themselves, the things they pursue as people and also as a society, a nation. And ultimately then, whatever that culture develops into is going to determine the direction of that nation, the strength of that nation, the character of that nation, the morality of that nation. Now, all of that, all of those principles, they start in the home. Because again, the home is where the children are born into. And the home is where the children are, they receive their most basic 
and supposedly most continual teaching and training, shaping and molding of their character, their morality, and, and ultimately their responsibility as human beings and members of the society in, into which they're born. Now, I know that's, that's a whole lot to think about, to kind of take in and digest, but that is the fact of the matter. I'm afraid that a whole lot of people, tremendous percentage of the people in our nation, really don't think about fully and enough in depth their responsibility as either parents right now, if they already have children, or future parents as they grow to that point and mature to the point where they can become parents. Now, kind of letting that settle in a little bit, let's talk about the reality of the home in our country right now, in our culture. What is the home like? I'm not talking about your particular home necessarily, although in many cases it may apply to you. You may be able to to reflect on this and say, yeah, that's a whole lot like the home I came out of, or maybe that I'm living in right now. But see, what is the home, the basic image of the home or reality of the home in our nation right now? What is it like? Well, let me throw something at you. It used to be, not that many years ago, that almost every mama and daddy were married to each other. And so the children that were born into their home were raised in a what we would call the, a nuclear family. Now, it has nothing to do with bombs and exploding. It's just simply talking about a, a basic uh, organized and united family, a mama, a dad, and one or more children. A home as this country and much of the world has known it for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. What we would look at and say that's a typical home. That's, that's a normal home. Well, that's not the case of reality in our nation anymore. Now, yes, there are still many homes like that. But what has become more and more common is single-parent homes, homes that have fallen apart, that have broken up, or homes that have never really been established to begin with in the image of that traditional nuclear home. Mama and daddy married to each other, raising their children together. A united kind of environment, a normal, safe, productive, encouraging and edifying kind of environment for children to grow up in. Now, the reality today is, to a great extent, and I'm talking about a huge, huge percentage of our homes, is they're not that normal, typical nuclear home, the traditional home, the home, the kind of home we read about in the scriptures, and that we're, we're really the model for our country and our nation and our culture and our society for as long as this nation existed and even before that, going back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. What happened? People stopped paying attention to the commitment of marriage for one thing 
and we started getting some kind of a really modernistic, liberal kind of viewpoint that, you know, you don't really have to be married to love one another. You don't really have to be married to be committed to one another. You can still love each other. You can still be committed to each other and not be married. And you can still have children and raise children in that kind of an environment. And it'll still be a healthy kind of environment for those children to grow up in. Now, let me tell you the reality of that kind of philosophy. Listen closely. Baloney. If you didn't get that, let me say it again. Baloney. That was something of a cultural experiment going back into the late 60s and through the 70s. And you know what? We found out it failed. But unfortunately, a whole lot of people in our country did not get the message, particularly those who were coming up and were children while that philosophy was kind of being laid out as a foundation for thinking within our country and our society and our culture, well, they they were growing up as children. They did not get the message but they, they that, that it was a failure, but they heard the philosophy. You better live together before you get married just in case things aren't going to work out. That did not work. That did not contribute to stable marriages or stable, productive, normal homes. It just did not work. It does not work. It never will work. But people have bought into that. And so you have all kinds of, of, of women who become expectant with child without being married, and somehow they think everything's going to be okay, and that guy with whom... They, she became pregnant, he's going to be there and he's going to love her and he's going to love the children and they're going to raise those children and everything's going to be hunky-dory. And then he leaves. Or she leaves him. And so now you've got children growing up in a broken home, a single-parent home. And the result of that is many-fold. A couple of very important, basic results of that that are very, very negative to the individual children growing up, but also to the culture of our nation and our society as a whole is you have young boys then growing up not knowing how to become men. Now, I mean what I just said. You have young boys growing up not knowing how to become men because their daddies are not with them. They're just being raised by their mothers or maybe by their mother and all kinds of men coming in and going out of the home as they're, while they're, they're growing up. You also have young girls growing up not knowing what they should be looking for in a husband because they don't have the father figure there. They don't have the husband of their mother figure there in the home for them to observe and learn from and to be taught by, as this is what a man is. This is what a responsible father and husband is. So they grow up not knowing what to be looking for in a man. It's no surprise then they make the same kinds of mistakes as their mamas made. And so the cycle continues. 
the young boys grow up, they don't know what they're supposed to be really as a man. Oh, they know perhaps that they're supposed to be macho, whatever that means, that they're supposed to be strong, again, whatever that means, but they don't know what it is to be a daddy. They don't know what it is to be a husband because, again, they don't have that father-husband figure in their home while they're growing up that they can observe and learn from and be taught by. And so the cycle just continues. The cycle just continues. Tremendous percentage. In some segments of our society, way, way, way over 50% of children are born to a single parent and are growing up in single-parent homes. That handicaps that child, and it handicaps our society and our culture, and thereby our nation. But focus upon the handicap of the child. How can that single parent expect that child to grow up and be fully prepared and guided and instructed as to how to take his or her place as an adult man or woman. And so children of single-parent homes very typically become single parents themselves. Now, we're not talking about something that is incidental here, that is kind of, oh, well, no big deal, We're talking about the ultimate breakdown of our nation, of our culture, because we've already had a breakdown in our morality. You see, again, people don't think through this very clearly or very deeply. They just go do it. When God created the first man and woman, in the garden, and yes, the Genesis account of creation is absolutely real, authentic. Don't ever let anybody try to sell you a bill of goods that says, oh, that's just mythological. It's just made up. No, it's real. That's as much God's word as is the account of Jesus Christ coming into this world and going to that cross as the savior of all mankind. When God created that first man and that woman, he brought them together to be husband and wife. You can read that in Genesis chapter 2. To be married, to begin to raise children in a normal husband, wife, father, mother, home, stable environment for themselves and for their children that they will be rearing. Now, sin entered the picture and all kinds of problems as a result of that. And one of those problems is we messed up the whole equation. And we started doing things our way to our own detriment, but also to the detriment of society and culture and nations. What kind of love should be the basis 
for forming and sustaining a quality marriage? What kind of love? Now, people may not have really thought about it that much again. Well, let me tell you something that love is not. Lust is not love. Lust is not love. Now, let me tell you something else that love is not. Sex is not love. Now, don't get me wrong. God created us as sexual beings. That's part of our reality, part of who we are and what we are. But just having sex, that's not love. Now, in the marriage relationship, God designed that the sexual relationship within that marriage should be an intimate expression of the love that the husband and wife have for one another. But sex by itself is not love. A whole lot of people practice sex without love. Practice sex that is devoid of love. They practice sex that is completely separate from love. They basically practice sex like animals practice sex. A relief. An emotional release. But it's not love. And any marriage that is based almost purely upon we can now have sex together is almost certainly going to fail. And lust, again, is not love. It's a hormonal drive, but it's not love. And that kind of relationship, again, that is basically the center of, of their coming together, that's not going to form a stable and lasting marriage. So I want us to think about in this study what kind of love should be the basis for forming and sustaining a quality, a quality marriage. I hope you'll continue to tune in and listen and study with us as we continue this particular vital, vital topic.